Hello and welcome to another episode of the Maple Line podcast. This week I am joined by Brent Stamen, who is one of the uh, who is the booking manager for the Harvest Jazz and Blues Festival. Hi Brent, thank you for coming on. Hey Matt, it's great to be here. It's good. So, introduce yourself a little bit and tell us what it is you do for Harvest and what it entails. Um, I've been for uh, probably 22 years. It depends in the middle of this COVID piece <laughs> whether it's a full year or not. But uh, for 22 years, I've been the guy who selects and books the programming and the talent for Harvest and uh, then kind of coordinates and oversees the the production of the festival come come the event each year. So, you know, everything from, I say everything from the stage back, but that includes our front house guys too. They're out in the middle of the crowd. So that part too. So how did you even come to get involved in this role? How did that even come about? Yeah, that's a great question. I, um, well, Harvest is a it's a volunteer organization, and in its early days, it was completely volunteer. Like we're lucky now in our 29th or 30th year to have a full time staff of three. Um, but in those early days, it was um, really just a, a an event that a group of friends and and folks came together to put put on, and uh, you know it, it was it was small. And um, one of my really good friends at the time was uh, the first programming director for festival for the festival, Dave, and. Um, he uh, invited me along to some of the early meetings and uh, unfortunately I went away to do some graduate work in uh, at Queens in Kingston Ontario and I came back in after about the second festival and I got involved with the third one and I guess um, you know I really really took to it and and I I got involved with the administration of the festival so for the first four years I was involved I was the, the chair of the the organizing committee and uh, then Dave the first guy he moved off to he went off to Thailand I believe to teach uh, English Taiwan to teach English and uh, they needed somebody to take over so I took over in our seventh year and I've been I've been doing it ever since so it's volunteer gig um, I work for the power utility by day and uh, I do this in my spare time and uh, it's become such a big part of uh, our life uh, my life personally and our life as a family that uh, it's just integrated into our lives every day. So, so music's very much a big part of your life then. So, um... yeah, I mean, I, I'm like a lot of people. I, uh, I, you know, I had a, a deep appreciation for British blues and, and uh, you know, uh, the doors, the stones, that kind of what we to call today classic rock, what was just rock in our day. And I kind of grew up on all that, you know, and, and really wanted to be involved in some way in the music industry, I think. But of course, like most kids and most teenagers, whatever, in university, that was all a big fantasy, right? I mean, how, how, how many of us get the opportunity to participate in, in, and play a role like this in the music industry if we're, if, if we're music lovers? So I was a music lover, had a massive music collection, uh, hundreds and hundreds of tapes back in the day and, and lots of albums and things. And, and uh, music's always been a huge part of my life. And, uh, and, and I just built on that. That, right uh yeah that's uh that's interesting so you've uh 
so you've been part of Harvest almost since it like started. So give us a bit of history about the festival itself, like notable acts that you've had, attendance growth as the year's gone on. Yeah, I mean, I think that we started out wanting to inject some energy back into the downtown and it was going to be just a, um, you know, not so much a small local event, but one that celebrated, we have a deep tradition of, uh, of blues, believe it or not, here in Nova Scotia and New Brunswick. And, um, you know, the original idea was to bring those cats up from Halifax, Truro, um, St. John, Moncton, whatever, and, and, and from Fredericton and put on just a great, a great, uh, a great time, a lot of fun. And I think that, um, you know, I think we, we saw the opportunity to really expand out and in 1994 we were able to secure some funding and so in 1994 we were still a pretty small event but we we did a band from new orleans by the name of Waylon thibodeau a guy from new orleans by the name of Waylon thibodeau who kind of brought out a really kind of cool cajun dance kind of fun angle to the festival and drew out the acadian community here in in huge numbers um we did a uh an african-american blues guy by the name of eddie kirkland who was out of the deep south and and kind of one of the you know grew up on a plantation had a, a very authentically blues kind of life story to, t to tell and to share and his music was incredible and so you know we had that kind of we established some blues credibility right that's that's kind of important when you're when you're growing and then we also did big sugar that year and they were uh, a massive going concern they were just kind of becoming you know a national phenomenon at the time too so so think about those three acts in 1994 our fourth year we had big sugar blues blues rock canadian uh, deep Southern American Blues Act, and then this Cajun uh, Zydeco dance kind of uh, really kind of culturally important act. And so, so you know, 1994 was a real jumping off point for us where the community kind of saw what our potential was and uh, attached to us fell in love with us in a certain way. And uh, then we, on the other side, right, and we're all volunteers, we were organizers, young guys, gals back then, and we saw the potential of where this thing could go. And so I think, you know, our early years, uh, our early growth years would have been about 94 to 2001. So 2001 comes along and, you know, you're looking for good stories. Well, on Tuesday, September the 11th, uh, 2001, I was doing a media interview for Harvest with the Daily Gleaner, which is our local newspaper. And we were on the phone and the reporter gives a little squeak and uh, she says a plane just hit the Twin Towers. And um, so... Uh, everybody's world came crashing down that week and um, you know we were Tuesday our festival in those days was supposed to start on the Thursday um, and all of a sudden we had no airfare no air travel um, you know clearly our American musicians uh, had no interest in coming in those early hours the borders were closed it was chaos right so um, we managed to actually um, Yes, a bunch of acts from Ontario to drive down who were supposed to fly. Some of them did like 16 hour van trips to get here. Um, we had one of our American musicians, Johnny Sanson from New Orleans, who was actually in Halifax rehearsing with a friend of his. That's who he was going to perform with here, Joe Murphy from Halifax. And um, he was actually in the U.S. and he actually played at Harvest that year. So, so we managed to put on a festival that started two days after 9-11 and, um, you know, an absolutely 
I think we used to joke uh, in, in the days and weeks after that festival that we kind of felt a little bulletproof that if we could, you know, that if we could survive, um, you know, that kind of disaster, that kind of disruption in what was really our only our 11th year, we were still, you know, still probably a six or seven or $800,000 event just kind of growing there. And, um, you know, we could, we could, we could really do something with this that our, our potential was there to, to really keep going. And, and so, you know, the same thing happened and, you know, we've got another uh, really interesting story that, that, that we had a connection with this week is, uh, you know, here we just had a hurricane blow through New Orleans and, and uh, East Texas, Hurricane Laura last week. And I was reaching out to a manager down there and he happens to be somebody who was the manager for an act when Hurricane Katrina hit uh, New Orleans in the weeks before Harvest 2005. So in uh, 2005, uh, we had acts that from New Orleans that were uh, we that had to cancel. Cyril Neville of the Neville famous, very famous Neville brothers couldn't could make it in 2005. But we had Kermit Ruffins and his band travel uh, and join us here. At festival and uh, they had all lost their homes there was four musicians they were living in different parts of America in the weeks after Katrina because they had to flee Katrina they had no home there and uh, these four musicians arrived literally Matt with the clothes on their back and a whole, you know Kermit had a horn in his hand and the clothes on his back and that was it when they when when he arrived and the other musicians were the same so we 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 got local uh, local clothiers to like Peter um, Robert Simmons downtown did a suit up for um, for um, for Kermit and a fedora to go with it and uh, you know we just had the most incredible experience um, you know that's what that's what this is all about right I mean why you know you're, you're gonna ask why we do this um, you know you yourself know the, the the good feeling you get when you're going out to enjoy a live um, a live music event, uh, a live concert, and um, you know it's really uh, incredible to connect with those musicians, uh, to share some of their story, and um, you know to to put on an event for people, you know at uh, at times of crisis. So um, you know it, it it just like in 2020. Um, you know, we're all looking in the middle of this pandemic for something that soothes the soul and uh, brings us closer together and makes some of that anxiety go away. And, and that's what the best music festivals do for, for a short period. We get to we get to drift away and, and commune with other people. And, and that's what Harvest has been able to do over over the best part of 30 years now. That's a, that's a lot of interesting stories and a lot of like good good things coming out of bad things um and music really does have that power to do that um i've been so those people that are listening from england um harvest jazz and blues takes part in fredericton um and i moved here five years ago and i attended my first jazz and blues in 2018 i believe uh when i saw the record company um and i was blown away uh, by the performance I went and bought every CD they had available at the stand at the at the tent that night um, and one of those albums is probably one of the best albums I've listened to in the last 10 years it, it was incredible so if anyone's traveling to this side of the world and loves their music come hit Fredericton up around the time of Harvest Jazz and Blues obviously you know not during it's COVID. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, but anyway so 
in the short time that I've been here, I know that if you go downtown in Fredericton when Harvest Jazz and Blues is on, the, it's, you know, the whole town is dedicated to it. Like the, the streets are, are cordoned off. There's food vendors in the street. There's buskers in the street. There's people having a good time. So like, how did it, did it start with just one tent or did it, you know, was there multiple tents to start with? How, how did that go in terms of how many bands you had in each festival? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question because we, we, we have followed a very deliberate path of growth. We were originally just a concert kind of in that first year. We had some shows in the bars and then uh, some outdoor concerts in the park that were free. And then the second year, we moved into a bit of a bigger outdoor venue uh, or a bigger indoor club and did more kind of feature shows there. Guy with, you, you Brits would know Long John Baldry. Uh, you know, uh, played played a big club there downtown, and uh, it grew again in size. And then in the third year, we uh, introduced uh, the market, which we don't use anymore. Uh, it, but in those days, we were able to put between 700 and 800 people in the in the downtown farmers market. We cleaned out all the stalls and put a stage in at uh, one end. And um, once we started to produce our own venues like that, that's when we saw the opportunity to put up a tent and uh you know for a few years it was one tent one market all the bars uh and 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 officer square for some free shows and then as we grew we began to look at the different real estate and parking lots and things like that in the downtown and it became two tents and the market three tents in the market um you know now we're you know of course i forgot too we added the playhouse in those early years for some big jazz shows so so now we're uh four tenths of all various sizes going from about 600 up to about 3500 we're we're still using the playhouse we've got uh, you know a dozen pubs and clubs um we've got uh some free outdoor spaces we do a stage in front of city hall a stage in front of the historical post office building and then a stage as always in officer square so which is a park that a downtown park that used to be a military uh, barracks and headquarters once upon a time when the british soldiers were here and they used to do their parades and even play tennis on that grass and uh, now we can put three to four thousand people in there for free shows too so so we try to to you like you said we try to use all that space now uh and it's become you know the original vision in which we've managed to really kind of deliver on i guess or build upon is is that we wanted to place the venues in a certain way that you could buy a pass and move between the venues, very close together, of course, and in between sample things, sample buskers, sample food, um, you know, stop uh, at, a, at a sponsor booth or whatever, and, or just stop and enjoy the beautiful downtown on a, on a warm winter, you know, warm winter, warm fall evening. And uh, so all, bring all that together would make a really incredible experience downtown. And that's what we've managed to do. So, and of course in this year, uh, it's what we're missing most of all. It should, yeah, it's going to be a big miss this year. It's uh, become a staple of my uh, transition from summer, summer into fall. And uh, it's going to be a bit weird not having, having it around this year in the, the normal means. I know that there are plans for something to go ahead. And it, but we'll get into that later. Anyway, so last year, Robert Plant headlined, um, which was massive. Uh, I was lucky enough to be there and and see it. Um, and that that 
was he is he is he the biggest act you've ever had come to harvest yeah for sure i think that um you know his history uh legend of rock and roll you know um he's definitely the act that generated the the most most buzz most interest um you know even the most um um, you know, even the most kind of uh, negative feedback in the sense that uh, we couldn't offer more tickets than we had and things like that, right? So, um, you know, it, it, it certainly was bringing, it brought our organization up to a whole new level as well. So, um, you know, it, it uh, was a tremendous challenge, but it was also an incredible experience to have him here. Uh, he not only came and played, but of course he spent the entire week here um, and rehearsed for three days at the Playhouse with his band because it was the start of his North American tour. So we had the opportunity to get to know Robert, to spend some time, um, and that was just about the perfect amount of time to break down those barriers that exist between, say, festival organizers and a, and a big name like that. There's, there's that, that kind of natural, not necessarily tension, but just it takes time to build some trust, right? And, um, you know, we managed to do that over that period. And uh, what an incredible man, what an incredible soul, um, you know, putting aside everything he's done for rock. He's, he's definitely uh, a very bright, inquisitive and fantastic soul. So, um, you know, we had some pretty cool moments with him. It was a, it was a awesome performance. Um, I hear you even got to watch a, a Wolverhampton game with him. Yeah. Part of that. <laughs> so, so uh, I came up with this idea in the middle of, of the summer that knowing he was a Wolver, Wolverhampton fan, um, that I would, uh, you know, wouldn't it be cool if we got some paraphernalia and when he arrived on site, um, we were all actually uh, dressed in wolves uh one pack t-shirts and um uh, you know when he pulled up and got out of uh got out of the escalade we all greeted him uh in wolves uh, wolves t-shirts and uh you know again we wanted to to um do something special to show uh just how um thrilled you know that he he'd made the decision to come play for us the other cool thing was um you know when he landed in Fredericton it was late on on Sunday night or Monday night of that week and uh you know he had prepared his suite at the at the local Delta hotel and um in his suite of course you know we put some some things that were very specific to Fredericton and some things that he'd asked for a nice china tea set and some 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 good tea and some things like that right of course and but uh, I actually bought a, a wolf's uh, scarf and I laid the wolf's scarf across the foot of his bed so when he walked into the bedroom part of the suite this wolf's scarf was um, on the bed and um, let's just say, well, I think he took a photo of it and he sent it to his kids and um, he was he was really impressed and touched. And uh, I think he said something like, you know, feels like home now. So and that was, you know, that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to make him feel at home, feel welcome and uh, and just show um, which is so important because a lot of people listening to this podcast or watching us will will never have heard of Harvest or never heard of Fredericton. And so part of what we've been trying to do all this time is to help people 
um, or to, to, you know, just to make an impression on people so that they go out and spread the word about this incredible festival uh, off in this little corner of North America. And, and uh, that's what it's all about. Do you think he'll ever come back? No, I, I, I don't. And, um, you know, not to get too deep into things that, that he shared with me, but, um, you know, I think that uh, <laughs> if I can quote him, he's a traveler of both time and space. And, um, you know, I think that when he comes to North America and does these types of tours, and in particular, you could really see it with this tour where he started with Fredericton. He's looking for places he's never played before. He's looking for places to explore. Oh, okay. um, he played, I believe it was Bozeman, Montana and, and Idaho. And, and um, he wanted to get to places that, um, you know, as I say, he'd never been and, and see what was there. And, and uh, uh, you know, he's exceedingly inquisitive. And uh, if you've read anything about him, uh, you know, he, he makes it very, you know, it's very clear that, uh, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a traveling, um, you know, adventurer. And so I think that when he looks at where to play, um, getting to small towns, getting to 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 seaters and, and meeting those people, playing those people and learning about those local communities is a big part of uh, how he selects where he's going to play. So I think it was a once in a lifetime opportunity for us and um, that's okay. <laughs> it was worth it. It was well worth it. That's really cool as well that he, he, he does that. He's just the uh... You know, he takes the time out of his own schedule to go to these, you know, smaller places and engage the communities. That's that's pretty cool. Anyway, so moving on, you've had a lot of live music over the years, and I don't know whether you've ever done this, but is a do you ever plan to like release a Harvest Jazz and Blues live CD of concerts that, that you've done? Do you have that? Like, are you allowed to do that? Is it something that you uh, do? Do you, do you mean a mixed CD of say? Yeah. Um, I think that. Um, I think that my belief is that, um, you know, the, the industry, I don't know. I mean, it's a really good, it's a really good question. What, you know, is the, is there a business model for uh, the producing that kind of product that, um, you know, goes beyond just it being commemorative, you know what I mean? Like are people buying CDs now uh, in such quantities oh, yeah. that are worthwhile? <laughs> oh, I know you are. Uh, and people are buying LPs too, but I guess, um, you know, it's interesting. It's, it's, um, it, you know, it's certainly something I've thought a lot about. Um, and, uh, I just, I'm not someone who sees the future in CDs, I guess that we, we've moved so far and deep into a digital world that, uh, it's probably easier and cheaper to, to produce a playlist, but, um, well, you, you, know, you could do you know. that and make it available on iTunes for download, but it'd just be cool if yeah. you had something out there under the Harvest Jazz and Blues name as like, it'd be a good way of people picking up on acts they've never heard of as well. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Um, you know, I think that, um, uh, that's part of what we're doing here uh, to celebrate Harvest 2020 is to kind of get out there and, um, you know, try to produce a, um, a little bit, a little tiny bit of, of the good content. We're using a little tiny bit of the good content that we've created or that we've created and, and had over the last, uh, the last little while. So, you know, you'll see some of Mavis staples from, from her 2018 show and, and some Blackberry smoke uh, from, from one of the early, 
early times they were here and some things like that too. Maybe, maybe, well, I won't get into the rest because I'm still working to uh, Matt Anderson and folks like that, but still working to, uh, to tie down some stuff here. Yeah. Uh, that kind of brings me neatly into the next question I was going to ask you anyway. So the, the physical concert this year is being canceled, which is, you know, social distancing and stuff is going to be hard to, to maintain that inside concert tents and such. Um, but, there is plans for some type of harvest jazz and blues to go on online. Um, so how, how is that going to look like um, is, and is it going to be like a one evening event or a multiple evening event? So it, it's uh, the intent is to create um, a three hour show that, um, that become and run it from say seven till 10 and use it as a way we will offer that content up to say downtown bars and pubs they can uh package it and however they want i mean our hope is that they you know get a big screen and pipe it in through the speakers and use it as a way to draw people in maybe have a harvest menu harvest drink um you know so so create this piece of content that serves as a bit of a concert foot you know concert footage so to speak but more of a it's a mix of um both uh, current performances from headliners from chicago and nashville Austin, New Orleans, Chicago, places like that. It's going to take. Uh, it's going to have a lot of video from from recorded performances from local musicians because we want to support the local music industry that way. And then it's going to have, as I mentioned, some ar archival footage. So we want to create this event, have uh, have downtown businesses use it as a way to draw people downtown. But um, we're also seeing some bars. For instance, the the local Hilton Hotel has a pub. And um, it's going to be presenting music on the Friday and Saturday night that weekend. So we expect others to do something similar. So there could be some music downtown. Imagine it'll be hard to get into, but uh, you know it's a great way to um, a great way to see people kind of you know presenting live music that weekend and get get people out. But the other thing we're going to do is is it, you know, you know the, the intention is really not just to to commemorate harvest but as i said to get people downtown and so we're going to be giving away about fifteen thousand dollars worth of ultimate passes for 2021 uh all week that week if you dine downtown in a local restaurant uh, you could have a chance to win uh, ultimate pass so um the intent again is uh, to do what we can to support local businesses to support local music and the, and the local music industry that's pretty cool um, because that kind of ties into the next question, which is where can people listen to this? I didn't know. Are you going to do face? Is it going to go live on Facebook as well? Is it going to be a live Facebook live thing? And yeah, Facebook live YouTube, and live on YouTube or right. YouTube live Harvest okay. Blues channel. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So check you, it out. So can you confirm any of the acts that are going to be involved in this year? Or is that still hush hush? No, no, we've got, you know, I think uh, it's not that it's hush hush is that um, we're just, uh, just, uh, really confirming things. We've got uh, Gordy Johnson from Big Sugar, who's actually been quite prolific in this uh, COVID period, producing producing videos online, uh, playing and stuff like that, and and kind of documenting his evolution, devolution, <laughs> his time in this COVID period. Uh, we've got Fruitland Jackson, who's a, a guy who has a weekly gig, a weekly Friday gig at Buddy Guys in Chicago. He's a blues musician from from Chicago, and and uh, he's actually going to be producing our Blues in the Schools program, which is going to run all week during Harvest uh, in cool. in all all local schools. So that'll be very cool. So Fruitland's going to play some blues for us there. We've got um, 
Samantha Fish, who's a great young American blue, female blues guitarist. She's going to join us. I think she's joining from Kansas City. I'm not sure. Uh, that's where she's from. And I, it, she may be there, but she may be in Austin. I'm not sure. Uh, we've got Maggie Corner, who's in Austin now, but just moved there September, just or August 1st from New Orleans, Maggie. She was here with a band called Galactic uh, back in, I think, 2011, 2012, something like that. And then she came back with her own band in 2015, 2016, something. She's an incredible performer. And then we're going to add some more names uh, here, uh, you know, over the next little while. Yeah. Good. So there's a whole bunch of stuff going on. It should be a good three-hour show. Um, yeah. So are you, you said you're giving away passes for next year. Is your hope that all of this is going to be over and Harvest should be run, up and running again next year? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's our hope. <laughs> um, you know, there's a lot of hurdles, isn't there, uh, before we get back to normal on something like this. You know, somebody challenged me the other day as to why would I expect American musicians were going to be able to kind of cross the border and play. Um, you know, but I think that um, if we have, um, you know, why won't we have, say, a 15-minute uh, COVID saliva test, um, you know, within the next six months that, that we can we can do for somebody at the border? Um, you know, why, you know, we'll, we'll hopefully be, you know, we expect to be in a vaccine, um, you know, vaccinated population kind of place, too. So, so um you know i think i think there's going to be um a lot of uh, still a lot of challenges um you know you hear different industries say we're not going to be back to normal till 2023 2024 um harvest needs to have a certain size and a you know certain kind of uh number of people in the tents um to make it work uh now we've grown to that size so um you know let's hope it's either uh back to normal or we'll have to you know seriously consider you know how we might look different yeah i hope it's all back to normal next year but at this point in time it is really hard to tell like with anything yep. sports music <laughs> so um yep. what's your what's your favorite harvest story and there's got to be hundreds of them but what's one that sticks out in your mind oh um you know, I think that, um, you know, I, I uh, spent some time backstage with Chris Robinson from the Black Crows in 2014. And, um, you know, um, it was really funny. We were we were um, standing around um, getting into trouble and um, my wife, Sonia, poked her poked her head out um, around around the tent wall. Um, Cause she's, she's a volunteer and an organizer, you know, a senior organizer too. And, and I think her youngest son, Luke was, was there around helping out. He, he always helps out backstage every year, every night. And um, he, she said something about, you know, do you think we should send Luke home? Is it about time? And we had just had a short vacation while I was standing there with Chris. And after she was gone, Chris said is, is, is that your missus? And, uh, and I said, yes. And she said, boy, you guys get along so good. Uh, you know, she, she seems like a really sweet, sweet person. <laughs> you know, she treats you so nice. And um, it was so funny because I was thinking, okay, here's a guy who's, I think, uh, had, you know, he's recently divorced from Kate Hudson. <laughs> and, and, you know, they have a child or two together. I can't remember what it is. But, uh, you know, I was kind of like, okay, this is a little surreal. Uh, <laughs> you know, could have been 
in the headspace I was in, but um, you know, so so Chris and I, Chris and I were hanging out for a little while, and the members of the revivalists were there as well. And um, there, uh, all of a sudden, somebody looked off to the north, just over the top of the tent, and you could see Northern Lights. I have never seen Northern Lights in Fredericton ever. Um, and that night. Um, in mid-September 2014, we, Chris and I, and uh, Mike and Rob and somebody else from the Revivalists ran up and stood on this platform that we were using to uh, service a trailer we used for all of our hospitality supplies. And we, and you could, you know, we got some height and off to the north of Fredericton in the sky with these green, incredible northern lights. And, um, you know, it was pretty, uh, it was a pretty cool experience. I, um, I ran into Chris, uh, I think three or four years later at a festival in Florida and I was backstage and, um, you know, I, I, uh, Sonny had said hello to him and I said hello. And, uh, he, he said, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. We saw the Northern Lights that night, man. <laughs> and, uh, so anyway, I mean, that's just one of, um, you know, that's one of um, who knows how many incredible uh, memories that'll stay with me forever. Certainly, um, you know, I had the opportunity to spend um, about four hours uh, with, with Robert Plant last year. Uh, we drove around the countryside. We stopped and um, we had lunch at a little place down in Gagetown, which is about, uh, you know, half hour from Fredericton. Um, and, um, you know, we had the chance to chat and, and commune and, um, you know, share some stories. So I got to hear more stories, of course, from him than <laughs> I told him, but, um, you know, it, it, it was pretty incredible. I, I wouldn't, you know, I can't share with you any, anything that we talked about that day. Um, but, um, yeah, that wouldn't be, you know, that wouldn't be fair to his confidences, but, um, you know, for me to be able to, to spend that time with him, um, you know, we did get to watch, um, Chelsea beat Wolverhampton. I believe it was five, three Tammy Abraham had a hat trick, uh, that day. And, uh, unfortunately, for anyone that doesn't know Brent's a Chelsea fan, <laughs> And uh, my son, Luke, who is, the, you know, the, the, the real Chelsea fan of the two of us, uh, we got together in Robert's suite to watch this, watch this game. And uh, I think that uh, Luke whooped it up way too much. Uh, and, <laughs> and uh, you know, I was kind of like, well, Robert, this wasn't exactly how I imagined us spending this time together. Chelsea, you know, giving your team a real arse kicking here. But, um, you know, it, uh, it was a really interesting time, believe me to to spend with him watching this game and of course every once in a while yeah every once in a while like kind of out of the corner of my eye go that's Robert Plant I'm sitting here watching a football match with Robert Plant so um but that was one of the really Matt you know that was one of the really cool things about being with Robert was um what a regular bloke he was and um you could see how he would be able to blend in in those stands at the Molyneux and and um and just be one of the guys and I think that's what he you know he wants most of all right he doesn't you know um and so it, it was amazing how over the course of his four or five or six days I guess with us that that um 
you know, even though, yes, the back of your mind was going, you know, I'm here with, you know, this is Robert, you know, after a while, you'd just be chatting with him and, and that would, that would go away. And, and he would never, ever, you know, he would, you know, you would just feel like it's you and I chatting like this. And, and, and that was, you know, again, that was super cool and, and something that'll stick with me and with, with some of the rest of us. Uh, the rest of our lives yeah. it's a bit like when uh when i got to interview frank turner and i was completely shell-shocked before he came on and i was sweating and within three minutes i chilled right out and it was it it was just like talking to anyone it was a really cool experience yeah yeah and I mean, we build we build these guys up to be something and and uh we forget that um you know they're the guys that wrote the music that we love and and that music reflects who they are as humans right i mean so yeah it's really cool so the last thing we're gonna do which is i do every week is i get everyone that comes on here to name their perfect three-man band a drummer a bassist and a lead guitar slash vocalist man you gotta go i'm sure nobody else has suggested jason bonham as the the drummer but uh you know i think um i'd take him and or you know ginger baker somebody like that um bass i would you know, here, here, here's going to be a surprising one. Um, I really have a tremendous amount of time for a guy by the name of George Geekus, who is the basis for the revivalists, um, out of New Orleans. Um, and, uh, I have a really good friend who you'd love, uh, who used to live in Toronto and used to see 200 shows a year, a uh, single guy and he just lived for music and and um i took him to see the, the revivalists i flew up to toronto and uh, um you know took him to see the revivalists uh and um and he said uh, we we finished the you know we finished the show i was backstage with the band but he was kind of out in the crowd and and uh yeah, i said what'd you think of the show and he said all, all he texted back was that bass player is an absolute monster. Um, so, um, you know, that was good, good indication to me, uh, from that guy that, uh, George is, is the man. And then on guitar, guitar is so hard. I mean, my, my God, how would you, how would you choose a guitarist in this well, day and age? A guitarist I mean, I'm, that I'm, can sing, a guitarist that can sing that will, that will slim it down a little bit. I'm look, I, uh, I grew up on, uh, on Clapton. I, you know, uh, 461 Ocean Boulevard and all that stuff. So I don't know how, you know, uh, when I think of the consummate guitarist vocalist, uh, that's where my mind goes. But, uh, you know, that'd, that'd be a pretty good power trio for sure back uh, back in the days when Clapton liked to rip. Yeah. Well, there we go, guys. There is Brent's perfect three-man band. <laughs> George would love that. <laughs> <laughs> so th- this week to end the show, obviously... I'm not going to have any music to play for you guys because obviously Brent's not a musician. He's heavily involved in music though. So I'm sorry about that, but it's been a pleasure having Brent on and it's uh, been a pleasure talking about Harvest Jazz and Blues and the history and what it's going to be looking like this year. Um, and like I say, uh, go check those guys, uh, the, the Harvest and Jazz and Blues out on Facebook and Twitter. Um, you'll see loads of content that they've put up before. You'll see videos from previous years if you scroll through what they've done. Um, there's some really good stuff. Recently, they put up the uh, record company's production from two years ago, I believe, um, and that's incredible. Like I, I was in the in the crowd, so go listen to that. They they are an incredible band. Um, so thank you, Brent, for coming on. Um, it's been a pleasure. Oh, it was a pleasure, man. Yeah, and really enjoyed it, man. Good to see you.
Until next week, folks. Goodbye. <laughs>